to the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to take a break from our usual format of discussing Beef Watch newsletter articles. Today's Beef Watch Podcast is going to focus on a recent report released by Colorado State University, focus on cow-calf analysis at the ranch level. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Dr. Ryan Rhodes, who's a beef extension specialist at Colorado State University. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me, Aaron. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Well, Dr. Rhodes, I recently got your report and and really found it to be quite interesting. In this report, you went through and did an analysis of several ranches in Colorado, looking at their production numbers, looking at their economics. Walk through with us this report. uh, How was it designed? Why was it put together? and, And tell us about what you found. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll go back to the the very beginning. Prior to coming to Colorado State, I spent seven years at the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management as faculty there. And when the, the extension position opened up here, I applied and, and got the job and, and I walked into a very big job here. Um, and so when I first got started, uh, you know, there's 900,000 different things you could potentially focus on. And we don't have a very big team here. And so we had to get pretty pretty uh, pretty focused pretty quick. And so we actually, one of the first things I did was send out a needs assessment to Colorado beef producers. And we got a phenomenal response back, uh, almost a, nearly a thousand responses back. And then we really sat down and kind of analyzed that, the data and kind of listened to what producers were asking for and, and wanted us to focus on. And really two big things came out of that needs assessment. One was, it was really clear that producers wanted help with business management. It was really clear that financials was the number one barrier to success. Um, I don't think it's any different in any other state. It, it was what it was. Financial success, meaning cash flow, cost of production, you know, those sort of struggles were, were the number one barrier to success. It wasn't how to feed a cow. It was, it was business stuff. And then secondly, and really what prompted this if we really dive down into that financial piece is we asked folks, you know, what data do you routinely collect? And everything from body condition score to weaning weights to pregnancy rates to financial stuff, right? And 40 to 80% of folks said that they routinely collect all of those things, okay? And we know everybody's got, we know everybody that has the red book in their front pocket, right? And they, they make a collection out of those things or the big chief tablet on their the dash of their truck. So folks are writing stuff down. Folks are collecting things. The following question to that was, okay, you collect all this stuff. Do you know your break even within 10 cents a pound? And the results of that were 65 to 70% of folks said, nope, I don't, I don't know that number. Now you could argue maybe we made that 10 cents a pound, a little too tight of a window. And maybe that's why we got that response. But I would tell you now, after three years of visiting numerous, numerous ranches and sitting down and going through the financials, it's closer, Aaron, and you would know this, it's closer to 90 to 95% don't know their true and accurate break even. And so, you know, when you put all this together, we got to thinking, you know, like folks need help with this. They've got all the information right? We just need to help sit down and, and take that information, gather it, put it through a process, calculate some things and give them back something that, you know, information that they can use to make business decisions. And so that's really, 
that's really where track was born. Um, and then we were fortunate to get a USDA grant to, to kind of help us um, get it going and get it started. And here we are three years later, done 70 plus ranch visits in three years with 30 different unique ranches everywhere from Southeast Colorado to the to the very Northwest and everywhere in between. Um, so we feel like we've gotten a very good variety and diversity of ranches in our data set here. Our goal with these 30 places is, and, and they move, you know, some people drop out and some people, new people come in, but our goal is really to build a long-term relationship with these folks and, and create a, a very unique data set, long-term data set that we can use to generate these benchmarks in, in the report. The ranches, like I said, are all, all the way across Colorado. Our priority when we're selecting places is that it's cattle first, it's cow-calf operation first. That's their primary motive. Lots of different reasons for that. Size-wise of the operations, we didn't plan it this way or select it this way. It just kind of worked out. We have a really uniform, even proportion of, of size of operation, meaning you know, about 30% are considered small. Uh, another 30% would be considered kind of medium-sized and, and another 30-so percent, you know, larger operations. So really a very even proportion in terms of size. The ranches are, as you would expect, folks that raise their hand first to enter these kinds of projects are, are usually very experienced folks. And so we got a lot of third and fourth generation ranches in this data set. Lots of folks with 20 plus years of experience. Um, and so that kind of describes the, the ranches, I guess, that are contributing to this data in the report. Um, what we actually do is we actually make a on-site ranch visit, sit down at the kitchen table with folks and collect and verify their financial and production information. So it's a very intense, very um, robust process um, that we kind of put the data through. Like I said, they've got all the stuff written down. We just need to sort of gather it and put it through a process so that we can spit out information they can use. And then afterwards, after we're done with our, our analysis, we, we provide the ranch back with a customized report that shows them all their numbers, shows them their trends for over, over the years, then each key performance indicator that we calculate. Um, and then they can also obviously benchmark against the others in, in the data set as well. And, you know, really our approach is the most accurate analysis possible. Um, and it takes, when I say that, it, it, our process takes some time, which is why we're only doing 30 ranches across the state. And so, yeah, very accurate analysis. We can get into more of that later. Very holistic systems-based approach, if you will. So, you know, we're looking at some grazing things. We're looking at financials. We're looking at production measures. We're trying to put the whole sort of picture together. And in the end, our goal is to develop a database. You know, when I first got here, there were no benchmarks for Colorado production financial numbers. I was using Texas numbers from Stan Beaver's spa stuff, which is phenomenal. But, you know, as I was giving presentations, I, I'd standing up there and I knew these numbers weren't correct. And so it was really a focus to, to well, you know, one of the goals of this project is to develop really good benchmarks for production and financial things on the cow-calf enterprise. And then secondly, working with these 30 places across the state is to develop a really nice, unique, holistic scorecard that they can use for internal, external benchmarking. And, you know, ultimately, we need to help people improve profitability on these on these ranches. And so I know that was a long answer, Aaron, but that's kind of from start to finish and our goals kind of where we're at right now.
Oh, I really appreciate you laying the the groundwork there for why you did the project. What did that look like? How did you get involved with that? I guess just give us a picture a little bit, you know, think back to one of the ranches you sat down with or a couple of them. As you go to the kitchen table and you sit down and you start working through these numbers, what are things that you see are, are kind of some of the hangups or challenges for ranchers as they try to get a really handle on, you know, what is my cost of production? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, and, and this is not, Aaron, this is not just one or two places. This is consistent across the board and maybe more valuable than the actual numbers we're giving these folks is that we're, we're helping them set up a better record keeping and management managerial accounting system, if you will. And so really the biggest challenge from collecting an information standpoint is, or, or producer challenge, however you want to say it, is a couple of things is primarily folks work off of cash accounting or, or, you know, accounting for tax purposes, right? And so one of the things we do, I go back to that very accurate analysis is our goal is obviously if you're not matching expenses with, with revenues, it is really, really difficult for folks to get an accurate picture of their unit cost of production or, or break even. And so, you know, one of the things we do is accrual adjust their information. And so that's really step number one. Folks aren't very good at that usually, need some help with that. So that's challenge number one. Challenge number two is oftentimes when we're calculating our unit cost of production or break even on our own, we're only including cash expenses. That's the only factors that we're including. And we're not including non-cash things like depreciation. And most folks aren't including um, labor or owner labor management, family living, whatever you want to call that, unpaid management. And so again, we can't get an accurate number for, in my opinion, there, there's some argument in that, but in my opinion, you're not going to get an accurate number if you're not including those things. And then really the third biggest challenge is um, some sort of scheme to allocate overheads is really the other the other big challenge we see is, is folks are trying to do this on their own, if you will. Um, and, and, you know, there's no right way to do this. Um, it's, it's just a matter of, of being consistent in the way you allocate overheads, um, whether that's acres used, you know, per enterprise or animal unit months per enterprise, which is actually the one we use. We found it to be the most um, effective or accurate. Um, and so those are, you know, from a, accounting, paperwork, data collection, trying to crunch my numbers standpoint, those are the biggest challenges we see with folks. Well, I, I would just echo what you said. <laughs> and I, I I see the same challenge that and folks I work with. And I think also, as you alluded to, the challenge becomes also, how do we report some of this so that we can have benchmark numbers? Because, um, you know, from my perspective, again, there's different ways to approach this. We can just look at cash accounting and say, okay, did we make money or not? But, you know, for a ranch, let's say that's a historic family ranch, the ranch is paid for, cows are paid for, uh, the equipment's paid for. We're not really taking much for family labor. Maybe there's a spouse that works off the ranch. If you look at just their cash costs, and then you also look at what's the economic value. So what I'm thinking here of value, value of grass, value of money invested in the cows, value of money invested in the equipment, depreciation, value of labor. If we don't somehow capture that, in my mind, it becomes very difficult to compare apples to apples as we look across ranches. Well, and that's that's exactly right. And, 
you know, one of the things I would tell folks is uh, I'm not I'm not saying our numbers are are the right way to do it. Um, it's it's a way to do it. Um, and we feel like we're including everything. And if you look at, you know, if you dig down into what what the big four in our state in Colorado, we call it the big four um, in terms of total cow costs are uh, depreciation is number one and, you know, followed by feed and then labor's number number three. Uh, pasture would be the the fourth one for us. We've got, you know, 60 percent, 70 percent of our folks um, lease ground in this state, you know, big extensive operations and a lot of the West Slope, you know, using federal ground and whatnot. So that's a big expense, too. Um, but, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, if you're not including. So two of the big four for us are are things that are often overlooked. Um, and, I, and again, it's all of these all of these numbers, benchmark numbers are, are useful in a, in a way. But I would tell folks, I caution folks that, you know, whether whatever number you're looking at to benchmark from, just understand how it was calculated. Right. Because, I mean, gosh, there's you know, if you're not including depreciation and labor in, in that benchmark total cow cost, um, you'd be you'd be three, four hundred dollars different than my number. Um, and so, you know, folks, <laughs> folks need to understand that, you know, there's different ways of calculating this. So and this is just the way we the method we chose to use. I think it's the most obviously most robust and accurate. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. You know, I say for Nebraska here, I challenge folks. I put both grazed feed and harvested feed together. And I'm saying, you know, here, even if you own the ranch, you need to think about what's the economic value of the forage produced. So that's really a return to land management. It's not a return to cows. And so we, from an economic perspective, again, you can take different views here, but I really talk about with folks, you know, as you think about the ranch, think about the enterprises that are part of that. And just because you own a ranch doesn't mean you need to own cows. The forage produced that's utilized by the cows has value. Uh, Recognize that value and, you know, economically, at least on paper, ask the cows to pay for that. So, you know, here I would say feed, both grazed feed and harvested feed is our number one expense. Uh, Then labor and equipment, we lump together, or I do when I work with folks, just because you got to have labor to run equipment and oftentimes equipment replaces labor. And then the third one is a big one for us is just cow depreciation, uh, what's happening with that. And and that can vary a lot depending on, again, from an economic perspective, what's going on with the cattle market, the cattle cycle, things like that. The other thing I would say, you didn't necessarily ask this, but so most of our folks, so we do combine uh, grazed and fed or purchased feed together in our, in our feed cost as well. And most of our folks make hay in, in, in our state. And, and so we, um, we treat the, that hay as an enterprise, as a cost center that rolls into that feed cost. And then the other thing I would say is, and here's where you get into a little bit of difference too, is, is, and we're going, Stan Beavers taught us everything we know. So I'm, I'm using his method. And so we, we don't use, we don't include a land opportunity cost. And so our analysis is, is a cost based analysis, not necessarily an economic analysis. So that's the other place where you got to be kind of careful of, of, you know, how you're viewing things and what's included. So, yeah. No, and I appreciate that. And I think what you said early on in the conversation, understand how the numbers were put together. That That is so, so important because I think if you don't, um, you can look at something and think, boy, that's not anything what my operation's like. And you're right, because uh, how you how you put those numbers together, how you value things really does make a difference. Well, and I think that's true for benchmarks in general, too, because 
we don't have enough data yet, but it's going to be really interesting to see. Right now, it's just Colorado, right? It's all 30 ranches across Colorado. But once we get enough information, this state is, is very unique in the fact that production on the West Slope and production on the Eastern Plains is very, very different. They might have a similar total cow cost, but the way that they got to that cow cost is hugely different. And so it'll be really interesting once we get enough data to, to sort of separate out different ecosystems to see, you know, what really are those drivers of of costs given, you know, different situations. So, yeah, Ryan, let's just go a little deeper there because I think what you've talked about is really one of the challenges as we think about benchmark data. So just your state as an example, Western slope, I'm guessing a lot of federal land BLM type force permits on the Western side, Eastern Colorado would be primarily all deeded property. There's a few exceptions to that, but you know, mountain ranches where maybe feeding a fair amount of hay versus extensive grazing eastern plains just kind of give us a picture of the diversity of the ranches you were working with yeah so i mean it's it well i kind of described i guess the the general diversity in the ranches i don't i don't i don't i don't guess i don't know what to add to that diversity in terms of landscape or or yeah so i guess as i think about diversity i just think about i think about a ranch on the western slope or you know maybe a ranch in the gunnison valley that you know, their their grazing forest permits or things like that, putting up hay, uh, you know, their feed structure, their economic system looks pretty different than a ranch at Kit Carson. And so, you know, just thinking about uh, the diversity there, uh, what what equipment you'd have at at Gunnison versus Kit Carson, uh, you know, where you'd spend your money. Those those are two really drastically different production systems in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I don't, like I said, I don't, we don't have the data broken out um, by region yet. Again, it's just all lumped together. Um, but, but yeah, the diversity is, is, is extreme. Whether you're talking about a ranch down in Southeast Colorado versus one up in, in the North park. Right. So, you know, just a couple of things like your ranch in the Southeast is, is maybe not making hay. They're, 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 we, we track a metric called um, grazed versus fed days, and that comes directly from Burke Teichert, and it's been a very useful metric that we track. Um, and so obviously that metric looks very different, whether you're in southeast um, Colorado or, or in the North Park. We've got folks, um, you're, you know, you're lucky on the West Slope if you can graze 50%, 50% of the year. Right. And so you're feeding you're feeding 50 percent of the year. Often often question why why folks run cows in some places. And, you know, after seeing this analysis, um, we've got some folks rethinking some things. There's maybe better opportunity with the stocker enterprise in a, in a lot of situations. And, and versus, you know, if you take that and compare it to the, the southeast Colorado place that's that, that can graze 90, 92, 93 percent of the year. And so that's a big one. Obviously, there's there's equipment. If you're making hay, there's there's big equipment differences between between places. But at the end of the day, it's it's really interesting, Aaron. I don't know if you've seen this, but the average cow cost is is very similar no matter where you're at. It's just how you get how you got to that number. Right. Um, And so that's that's kind of some of the things we're seeing, I guess. Yeah, I I would echo that. I I think uh, I see that in Nebraska here. Uh, just for example, you know, the further east you go, corn stocks are a whole lot less expensive than they are on the western part of the state. But grazing, especially in the north central northeast part of the state, if you value grazing on a 
a head day or a per pair basis, it's more expensive. So, you know, when we get to the bottom line, uh, there's not as much difference oftentimes as you would expect between operations across the state and annual cow cost. Yeah, yeah. Now, we there is a huge difference um, from top to bottom. And so in our data, we, we separate out the, the top 30% of producers and the bottom 30% for, um, for each individual line. But if we're thinking about just total cow costs wrapped up together, gosh, what is it? We've got a uh, f- over a five, we've got $525 difference in total dollars cost per cow between top and bottom. We're running about 800 in our per cow in our top group and almost 1350 um, in, in the in the bottom group. And so, yeah, while the average might be similar, there are drastic differences from top to bottom in terms of total cow costs among producers. Yeah. And I appreciate you pointing that out. I may have almost communicated that there wasn't really differences in cow cost across the state. I would say on the average, there's not that much difference, but yep. in a particular location, there can be a tremendous amount of difference. Absolutely. And it goes back to those, it, it's, it's, you know, so I, I get this question a lot, like what, what makes that low cost producer? I'm not even sure we want to even use that term anymore. Um, it's more about returns than costs. Right. And so what, what, you know, how does somebody get to that $800 number versus 1350? And it's not one thing. Um, It's, it's a a accumulation, you know, these managers are making an accumulation of, of decisions that cut costs here and there and and everywhere, right? It's not just one thing. Um, But if you were to poke, I mean, your leverage is obviously in depreciation, feed, labor, and pasture back to those big four, right? Those are the, if you really wanted to focus on an area, those are the, those are the places that the low cost, lower cost producers do a better job, I guess. Yeah. And I think, I think what you just said, I remember Harlan Hughes, uh, we had him part of our ranch practicum program 15 years ago or more. He's talked about the ranches he worked with, the ones that were cost effective, did things well. It wasn't just one thing they did well. They did several things well. And and I think that kind of plays out into what you saw as well. Yep. Yep. So I guess as you look at these ranches and you think about trends and you think about things that consistently ranches that tended to be more profitable did well, what are things that jumped out? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and again, I don't have any, we're getting close, but I don't have the the actual data to prove any of these things. These are just sort of observations so far of, in my mind, what those top 30% are, are doing better. Um, and, and really, I can bucket that into to three. There's there's more than this, but the big three things I think that, that, that I'm seeing is number one, and this is going to be no surprise to anybody, number one is they do a better job of matching stocking rate to carrying capacity. And there's lots of different reasons why that obviously is important. There's lots of different reasons why some folks are hesitant to do that. Uh, I mean, we've been through some historic droughts in the last 20 years here. And so there's no, no, no doubt in my mind, you know, there was good intentions to, uh, of why some folks maybe are a little hesitant to, to, to go back to a more appropriate stocking rate, if you will. Um, but that is huge from the standpoint, at least, uh, at least from our analysis, from a cost-based analysis, that is a huge important factor because of this little thing on, on cow-calf big ranching operations called fixed costs, right? And, and this was, 
you know, I don't know that I really understood this before I started doing this, uh, how important the fixed cost structure is on, on a ranch. Um, we're, we're talking about 50 to 70% of that total cow cost number comes from, from fixed costs. The folks that their fixed cost structure is more even. So, you know, like a 50, 50% of your costs come from fixed 50% variable. Those folks, you think about what, what that means. Um, as you go through these inventory fluctuations, right? The one thing that's really, really hard to change are, are the fixed costs. And, and the one thing that you can do to spread those fixed costs out is, is obviously more units, right? And well, if you're decreasing in units, then your total cow costs per head is obviously going to increase dramatically. And so those folks that where their structure is, is more 50-50 variable and, and overheads tend to weather these inventory fluctuations a, a lot better. And, and, you know, just being appropriately stocked makes you more profitable unless, you know, unless you weren't profitable to begin with. And then obviously scaling doesn't make sense. Um, but that's one is just, just getting a handle on stocking rate to carrying capacity and, you know, getting the right enterprise mix to make sure you can manage through those, those fluctuations. Each one of these topics could be a, you know, an hour conversation. The second thing I see is obviously the, the overheads, right? And the big one, depreciation, you know, coming from cows and, and your heifer development program. We've got, we've got folks, um, there's a seven, $800 difference in, from top to bottom in heifer development costs among, among ranches. Um, so we got some folks that can do it really cheap. We got some folks that, that maybe should probably think about buying them because um, it's probably cheaper in the market. And so, you know, getting a handle on overheads, they got that heifer development piece really dialed in. Their labor and management piece, you know, the, they, they have the appropriate cows to man sort of dynamic going on, right? They're, they're being really efficient with their labor and management. And the big one, you know, in terms of overheads is they don't have a bunch of stuff. And I don't know how better to say that, but just stuff, equipment and just stuff laying around that you don't, you don't really need. And so overheads, I would say, is the number two thing. And then the third thing is we oftentimes think that the more productive I am, the more profitable I will be. And the, the folks that I see that aren't trying to maximize necessarily that, that weaning weight um, so that they can go brag at the coffee shop about how big their calves are, they're really optimizing production and thinking about what, what does it cost me? What does it cost me to, to increase weaning weight 30 pounds? What does it cost me to go from a 90% preg rate to a 95% preg rate, right? And so they're really thinking total costs, you know, versus gross revenue in some of these decisions. I would say that's the, the other thing is that we're not trying to maximize, but we're optimizing. And so to me, those are the three big things and not all of them do all three of those things, but, you know, pieces of that. So again, those are, are key things that I think consistently see that you talked about is just, uh, you know, being stocked appropriately. I mean, we look at the value of grass and uh, in Nebraska anyway, it's extremely valuable. And so you want to be able to utilize it, but you also don't want to have too many cattle if you don't have grass. So it is a def definite challenge to balance that, especially as you said, with drought and then just labor and equipment. And uh, again, when you look at the cost of replacing a pickup today, a tractor, and you start looking at that against a set of cows, as Burke Tiger's well known for saying, you got to wage war on cost because it it can get away from you quickly. And then also just that thought around, you know, profitable cattle are usually productive, but productive cattle are not always profitable. 
Yep. That's uh yeah, that's such a true statement. We can have cattle that are extremely productive but not be profitable. And so, you know, ranching is a dynamic system and thinking about putting all those pieces together and doing that consistently, uh, it's not easy. Nope, not easy at all. Not Anything else on this report that you think would be of interest to producers or key things you saw that stuck out? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, but we, we've got a, a graph in here that, that kind of correlates back to that UCOP, like unit cost of production per hundredweight of wean calf to, to price received per hundredweight. And just I just want to read, just to emphasize again, we, we have got to get a handle on what our costs are because, gosh, we've got in our data from top 30% to bottom, we've got $120 per hundredweight of difference in cost per hundredweight among producers. And yet on the price received side, on the marketing side, there's about a $15 per hundredweight difference from top to bottom. And so obviously what that tells you is, yeah, I mean, do we need to be good marketers and, and you know, get the most value, obviously, for, um, for our calves? I, absolutely. But the real leverage here is is obviously on the cost side. Um, and if you don't know your your numbers, you, you, I mean, how in the world are you going to manage them? Yeah, I, again, I think that's just consistent across other data sets is that we can do some things from a marketing perspective that can capture some value, and, and we should. But if you don't know what your cost structure is, it's pretty hard to know where you're at. Yep, yep. Well, I really appreciate this report. Again, I appreciate you going to the effort to do this. Uh, there's not a lot of data sets like this around, just as you mentioned, uh, needing to develop it for Colorado. And so having your data sets, just another excellent tool, not only for producers in Colorado, but I think for producers in Nebraska and the Northern Great Plains, uh, I appreciate your work in putting this together. Absolutely. And I would say that, you know, oftentimes in the university, we're guilty of projects, right, or studies. And, and it was grant funded for three years. And, and I've told people, and I'll tell you here too, is this is not, this is not a three-year deal for, for me. This is, we're gonna, I'm going to continue to collect this information and build this database as long as people are interested in it. So we are, we're charging forward. Dr. Rhodes, thanks again for your time today. I appreciate the conversation and the report. You bet. Thank you. But for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, you can find Dr. Ryan Rhodes, his contact information. Again, he's a beef extension specialist at Colorado State University. To actually see the report, I would encourage you to go visit their Ag Business Management website. Again, it's Ag Business Management at Colorado State University. Title of the report, Colorado Cow-Calf Business Benchmarks.